This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. I want to learn a parrot every Tuesday night of Kaliyasha. So that it will take two years. If I want to look to learn more than one, it will take two years. It sure will finish the whole Kaliyasha. So every single, every single Tuesday night, besides the year, we're going to learn a little Kaliyasha. Parrot shouldn't take more than 10, 15, 20 minutes. And we'll talk 40 minutes on the partial and every, 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 everything else. So I'm going to leave this caveat for the end tonight because it's very, very late. Um, anyway, so I was flying. And for the last days, first day that I was home for the Seder, after all my speeches about going away for the Seder, I'm not going to go away for the Seder. <laughs> um, so I was in Florida for Cholmai and, and the second day. So I was, my last speech, which was on the last day of Yomtev, was advertised to, you know, summation of the Holy So pretty much, and this is really what we're going to speak about tonight. So, so you had you had eight days of Pesach, a lot of preparation, whole condition of sun, a lot of cleaning, your cars, your house, everything else. A lot of matzah, two sedonim, a lot of family. What do you got after Pesach? What are you coming home with? That was the big question. So everybody was like, they wants to give a speech on like, supposed to be on a high spiritual level, and everybody had their own idea what I was going to speak about. They wanted to know, what are you, what, you know, like, what are you going to say? Like, the go away speech, like last speech in school, like at graduation, you know, face up. I totally shocked them all. Here's what I said. I said, so what should you, so what should you take away from face up? I'm sure if we went around the class, we would have a different idea, right? Maybe someone has an idea. What should you take away from Pesach? Any ideas? What do you mean? You, you had eight days. What are you taking away from Pesach? What, what do you got? Besides 25 pounds extra for meeting. What? What kind of freedom? You feel more free now than you were before Pesach? What? You feel cleansed? So you feel, do you feel that or it's just like theoretically? It's just like like everyone came home from face up, no TV, no movies, just totally clean. Like, yeah, you feel that everyone like hit a different hit a level, different level of kedusha. Sure, that's a nice thought. That's not what I said, but that's a nice thought. So I said something totally random, which I never do. Um, I said five out of eight days, you didn't have any phone, any phone. Any technology, no phone, no internet, no texting, no news, no, nothing. Five out of eight days. Not one day out of seven days, like Shabbos. Five out of eight days, you did not have your cell phone. You did not have your internet. I hope. I hope you didn't have it. Five days. You didn't have your internet. You didn't have television. No movies. No news. How'd you make it? Five days? No telephone? If I was to come here and tell all you guys for the next five days I want your phones, you'd say, Rebbe, we love you. No way. It's not happening. You're not taking my phone for five days. <coughs> you were able to give it up for five days. Me included. No phone calls. No messages. I didn't call anyone back. The world continued, we're walking, you couldn't reach me, still continued, couldn't reach your friends, couldn't reach your Facebook. How'd you do it? 
So if you could take the psychology of understanding that you spent five out of eight days disconnected from technology and then bring it into your life today to spend five minutes disconnected from technology, it'd be amazing. So now let's do a little research tonight on how we're able to do that. But my son, how we able to for five days not have a phone? So a girl in school today told me something very interesting. Actually, yesterday, I spoke in Manhattan, and she said, <coughs> interesting point on the whole year of the phone. She said, I knew that everyone else was disconnected. So I, I don't have the Sahara to be on the phone if, if my friends are not on the phone. So it's peer pressure. Because if you, I knew that all the people I want to talk to are disconnected, so I couldn't be on the phone. Interesting thought. So the reason we're on the phone is because I think, if you think about what you said, because I think I'm missing something. They're all talking. My phone is off. I think I'm missing something. But I don't think I'm missing something. But I think it's much deeper than that. Because I have friends that smoke two packs of cigarettes a day. They turn one, they, they put one out, they take another one out. They take another, your mouth addicted to cigarettes. On Chavez, from the, when their wife, or the 18 minutes, let's say, when their wife lit the candles, on came up to Chavez, they tell me, it's not like they have a yeet so hard for the cigarette. And they don't go for it, they don't get so hard for the cigarette. They're not looking for the cigarette like, oh, Chavez, I can't. But the minute they say, Barco, Myron, it's in the drawer. The minute they come out of Shmoneh, they're going to wait for Lego, they go out and have a cigarette. So how could it be, how could it be, if you would talk to a non-Jewish person, a person who, who, who treats addiction, and tell them, I have an addict, and for 26 hours a week, he has no need for his addiction. Not that, I need my cigarette, and I make a chesed. Need a cigarette, Ooh, chance, can't do it, no. I don't need a cigarette. Ask anyone. I don't need a cigarette. The minute child is over, I need a cigarette. What's going on over here? Yeah. I believe it's probably something like delayed gratification. You can program delayed gratification into you, but there's still gratification. You just, you just, you program to, to delay it. That's all it is. So what are you doing for those 26 hours? You are anticipating the cigarette at the end of the child. Subconsciously. And as the shot as it gets closer and closer, it comes from your subconscious, it comes slowly into the front conscious. Till you run right into the front. That's what I do. I don't know if I'm right. And if you have, let's say, um, like here, you have two days. Okay, you have to you can smoke really. Uh, but so smoking is not good, but let's look at the phone. If you tell me that you're anticipating the phone, you know. But there's I don't a three. Think, I don't think well, let's say you have a three. A is definitely an addiction. I don't think it's an addiction like cigarettes. Like I think what the girl said is very valid. Once the peer pressure drops, so does the addiction. Nobody else is doing it. Okay, I'm in a down in a little milieu. Nobody else. Does, I don't have to do it so much. Maybe I shiggle, but not. It's not like cigarettes. So I'm going to tell you something very interesting. I, I I can't disagree with what you're saying. I hear the anticipation. I I don't I don't smoke, so I don't know that that I can anticipate my cigarette 26 hours later 
and that's going to satisfy my need. I, I, I can't answer yes or no. I don't, I don't have that addiction. Anyway, that's just the mental part of the addiction. There's a physical part to it also. How you stay? Well, how can you not shake? How can you not shake? How can you not shaking? You're not, you're not getting, you know, from the cigarette, you're not getting, uh, the, what's it called, um, the nicotine. Why aren't you shaking after 26 hours? The delayed gratification. Huh? The mind controls your body. body. So I'm basically a very interesting, a very interesting answer. And I think that's something that, that will help us fight uh, all our problems. <laughs> so my grandchild was in, with me in the airport. And... We, you know, we was in the airport waiting for the plane, so I went to buy myself a bottle of water. And he wanted a candy. And I didn't want to buy him that candy because it was chocolate. And I knew that he would take that candy and get chocolate all over himself. So I said, I'll get it for you later. And he was hysterical. And then I said, Oh, I can't get it for you. It's not kosher. Let me stop. I really did. I'm like, whoa. Right? So, what I told him, I can't buy for you right now. I don't have the money. Your shirt's going to get dirty. Tantrum. The minute I said it wasn't kosher, he walked away from it. Why? I'm going to tell you why. Because something that isn't kosher is an absolute. It's 100% I cannot have it. Something that's chocolate that's going to make me dirty, you don't have the money. It's not an absolute. I won't get dirty, go get the money. When something's an absolute, you want to say your mind, whatever it is, when something's an absolute, it becomes, a, it becomes an absolute no. So even a child, child, four years old, you can, he will... He will not need that candy when you tell him it's not kosher. Any kid, take him to any store, any Jewish front kid, and oh, mommy can't have the soda, mommy can't have the soda, that's not kosher, that's not kosher, they don't argue for it. There's no discussion. No, you do not suffer yet. No, you don't deserve it? Answer. Answer. Not kosher? They walk away from it. What do you mean? He's a four-year-old kid. What's the process here? And the answer is, he knows, not kosher, absolutely not. There's no game, there's no claim, there's no tantrum. Sam's not going to help me. I don't eat non-kosher. It's not the parents, not, not that the parents are not going to give you non-kosher. I don't eat non-kosher. So, on Yantif, right, when you have five days out of eight days, where it's an absolute that I cannot have a phone, when, when that breaks the time. So, when you're, when you're, able to, and I can tell you that it's true for my life, and, and, and I have to tell you that when I was preparing this year, it answered one of the biggest questions that I'm asked, and one of the biggest questions that I have. If you ever get to it for movies, the Rebbe gets up and he says, uh, movies aren't good for you, so in your head, it's like, you may be right, but it's not the end of the world. When it becomes, when you accept that for me, movies are poison. I'm not a lawsuit. I cannot watch a movie. I don't need to tell for a movie. I have, I'm, a big, I'm, a big science, I'm a big science fiction guy. Science fiction guy. The, 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 the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings, I read when I was 10 years old. I read the whole trilogy of the Lord of the Rings. I read the Hobbit. By the time I was by mitzvah, I could draw Middle Earth. Not possible. To draw Middle Earth. 
mortar, the whole middle of it. I knew the Lord of the Rings, it was, I loved it, I imagined it. It was like, so they just came out with the movie The Hobbit. They just came out with it. I don't know. Came in the movie theater, and now it's on, it's on DVD, and it's advertised all over the place. And I'm like, it's science fiction. There's no girls in it. It's totally clean. I won't go see the movie theater. I'll sit in my basement. I'll sit in my little DVD player. And I want to watch it because when you have, when you read a book, you have your own imagination. I want to see what they came up with, right? And I said, but you talk about this to other kids. You cannot watch The Hobbit. Because if you're going to get up and say, you can watch this movie, but you can't watch this movie, this one is only this. And so once you open up that door, you know, you think it's clean and then what you do, it changes. You know, so I, not telling you, that I ate the heart for the Hobbit. And I'm walking around, I'm like, oh man, I wish I could see it. And I wish I could see it because it's an absolute that we're wealthy, cannot be watching movies, so have a good day. So, so, I, so I took that. Now, in the gambling, which I was, you all know my story of gambling, so the, the biggest question was, so, so how did you stop? Not only, not only for people now that anyone knows about it, they call me and I can't really help other people because it's something I did. It's not something you can explain. But the Las Vegas and all the places that I used to go sent me emails and called me and said, we need to understand how a player of, of, of the amount that you were playing, how you just stopped. You, you flew to New York. I was here, I read that in the safer, and then it came back. So they were like, you're playing offshore. You're, you're not telling us where you're playing, but we know nobody on your level stops. No, no such thing. Until they don't have a penny left of their names. They don't stop. So I was like, yeah, maybe GA, and they're like, no, no. You go to GA when you lose. You are winning. You don't stop when you're winning. What happened? I couldn't explain it to them. Because gambling is an addiction. It's the worst addiction of any addiction. Because in gambling you can win. So when your friends tell you, come on, what are you doing? You're, you're addicted, you're like, yeah, it's for a new car. You're just jealous. So if you can, when, you, when you walk away from the table and someone says to you, oh, you're sick, man, you're, you're addicted, you're like, that's right, I got a hundred grand. So you, drugs, you know you're a loser. Drinking, you know you're a loser. All the other addictions, you know you're a loser. A gambler can be a winner. That's what sucks him in. He starts off, the worst thing you can do is win. If you lose the first few times you play, you're not interested. So he has that win. So, so they're, they're questioned to me, they question me. They say, we want you to come to Vegas, and we want you to talk, explain to us, because whatever stopped me, they were scared to stop other people. And they're lose their business. So if they understand what stopped me, then they'll be able to break that to make sure it doesn't stop anyone else. So I knew what they wanted. They weren't they didn't want to hear godless. They wanted to figure out, like, oh my God, if he can do it at that level, then, you know, maybe he's going to get up and start preaching and, and also we're going to lose like, what? So they wanted to know, you know, like the Gemara says, Lahavu, the Gemara says the famous story where there was a Zaina and there was this, this, this Talmud of a big, of a big Talmud and maybe of a Tani even, and he heard about her and he heard that she took a lot of money and that, and that, so he traveled a very long time, made an appointment with her, and he had to go up a hundred steps, and she was, what was it? The rabbi. And he had to go to the top step, and that's where she was on her couch, and he's climbing up the steps, and he's like, 
this is the prettiest woman in the world. And you have to make it a point that, like, years in advance. And he's going up those steps, and he's getting undressed, and the tits that he was wearing hits him in the face. And he, like, he comes out, he's like, what am I doing? I'm going to a Zaina. He gets dressed, leaves the money, because he had to pay, leaves the money, and leaves. And she's like, impossible. There's nothing in this world that's prettier than me. Who could he be leaving for? She gets dressed, she follows him to Yeshiva, because he went to Yeshiva. She goes to his Rebbe and says, What do you have that's better than me? What did he, what would he leave me for? And the Rebbe said, Tyra. And the Gemara says, She became from. She became a gear, she became from. He ended up marrying her. He ended up getting the girl at the end of the story. China but, he, he acquired a wife by leaving the money. What? He acquired a wife by leaving the money. <laughs> no, no, it didn't work out. Well, that's not the shot. That's not the shot. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> She was, I, I, I don't remember, she, I don't think she was Jewish, she became a gay. So the Kedusha wouldn't have been good anyway. But, but she could not understand, bother her, what, what, me? Every man lusted after me? What does this guy have? She followed him. was tired. So they were bothered them. They bothered them. What happened to Wallace? Disappeared? What does he got? I said, God. They didn't bother They said, everybody has God. So every gambler, all he does all day is you know, talk to God. God help me, God help me. The next question is this, God, God, God. It's like you're kicker in there, you know what I mean? Sure. Everywhere, there's no atheists. There's no atheists in the box, there's no atheists in the casino. All of a sudden, God, God can't help me out. You know, God, I gotta get the right cards and all. So everyone's talking to God. So, so it bothered them. Now I knew, you know, and you know the story, that's why I very much into Kaviyasha, it saved my life. And, and I learned to Kaviyasha that the money that you win, goes to the dark side and then anything you use that money for supports them and when a person dies and he comes to the next world the sultan says you're mine I gave you the Mazinah I said you I supported you you're mine you take him to the seventh level of Gehenna and you never get out I'm like they're there for me but I didn't know that beforehand so I just from one second to the next stepped out of one of the hardest addictions that exists in the world and I didn't understand I just understood it and, and now I understand. It's like the little boy in the candy store who wants that chocolate, and you say it's a trade, and he walks away. There's no discussion. So, so after I learned that Kavayosha, it became absolute. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not having anything to do with this. So absolute that I wouldn't even land in Vegas on the way to California. I would not have anything to do with it. I won't go to a show there, nothing. It's very clear. So once it becomes absolute, and you can go five days out of eight days without a phone. It's because all the other times, like when I want to give a speech, a phone is an addiction and it's not good for me. It's not an absolute. It's like, that's for most people. But I'm different. I don't use it so much. And something's absolute. So I'm, I'm shot. So it's a very different thing. So I'm not addicted to it. I don't look around, oh, I wish I could play. I wish I could go to casinos. I, 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 I. No, it's gone. Which, which any AA person would tell you, no, you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic. No. When something becomes absolute, when you realize that your alcoholism is going to kill you, they don't believe that. They believe a drink. So that's why you have AA. They believe that a drink, okay, it's not the end of my world. I look at a picture I'm not supposed to. Every situation I have, if you knew what looking at something you're not supposed to do doesn't give you a shot, if you can see it, 
You would never get to look at it. You wouldn't even want to look at it. So once I knew what this, what gambling was doing to me, it became absolutely clear to me, I don't want to. If, if you said, I'll, I'll fly you there, I'm not interested. I don't want to. What do you mean you don't want to? You used to be there. I'm not interested. Because I know that it's absolutely wrong for me. So what, what Pesach, I believe, can bring to us is to, to make certain things in our life that we thought we needed a, we needed a cake and I needed, a, I needed you know, bread and I needed this and I needed that and I needed my phone and I needed my internet and I needed my sports. Even sports, I couldn't watch sports for three days. And there was some big games, NCAA, big games. Nobody was watching them. Wow! <laughs> I told you now, I, I, I gotta watch it. I'm a sport nut. You're right. When something's absolutely young, I can't. It breaks the edge of horror. So I think that one of the things that we need to do is to internalize whatever it is certain things in our life and turn them into an absolute. I don't mean absolute to drink. The vodka. I don't want to find Absolutely. No. But to turn it into absolute, to, to, to make that switch to, to like, this is absolutely not good for me. And if you can internalize that, you won't even want it anymore. There are people who do it in diets. I, somebody told me to go to, I have this problem with the of chocolate, you know? And there's a person that they, they manage to talk it into you that it's poison. You look at that bag of that bag of tension, you're looking at poison or vomit or whatever, whatever makes you disgusting. And you you don't want it. It's not like I want it, it's not good for me. That's what I'm trying, it doesn't work. I want potatoes, I know they're not good for me. Okay, I'll take two. All right, two more. I know that I like that too. Right? If you look at it and it's like, where is coming out of the bag? You don't really need to hold it for. Who's the guy who's supposed to be able to hypnotize you? I don't want anyone to hypnotize me. Right? Because I'm scared that the chance going to look like that too. So, you know, I don't want to stop. But to, they, to make you look at something, to understand, this is poison. This is poison. I don't want it. If you give it to me for free, like, Randy, here, this is for you. I brought you a bag. I'm like, it's poison. I can't have it. But as long as I, I think, that's not poison. It's right? Then, then I have to fight. And I have my struggle. Struggle, you lose. Once you're struggling, you lose a lot. Many times you lose your struggle. Or it becomes like, I lost, you can't watch movies. I'm not struggling with the movies. I have other struggles, but I'm not struggling with the movies. I can't, can't go to movies there. That's for sure. I can't walk, I, I can't, right? Because that's what I'm talking about. So, that, that's something I think that Pesach was a fantastic, fantastic lesson for, for, for us to, to realize that there are things that we thought we're addicted to, that we thought that we absolutely must have, and we found out that, that we don't need it. And I think that's what you need to get from Pesach. And I spoke about this. They were like, oh, really? That was like totally random. They thought you were going to give us a, a whole schmooze on matzah, yisara. And I'm like, no, look, look what you just went through. You went through eight days. Five of those days, you were disconnected. And you were happy. And you disconnected to your wives. And you connected to your children. And you connected to your grandchildren. And you never forget the patients. And you had your foot this. Meanwhile, you're at the pool. You know, they had separate swimming. And there were grandfathers swimming with their grandsons. If you were told they could do that, they would tell you, no way. No way. But what happened is they found out things about themselves. The problem was that the minute, it, the minute it's over, you forget. And you don't use them in your real life. And, and, and I told my friends, like, if you could, if you could hop on shabbos, those 26 hours of not smoking, if you could hop on how you're able to do that, then you, then you wouldn't want to smoke. You'd realize, I have the stress to do this. 
But they're, they're, they're like, one, kid, one guy told me, well, I, eat, I have children, so it's like smoking. I'm like, during the week, that would not work. If he said, at Washington, can I have a cigarette? I'm like, there's a spoon of children. I'm like, get out of here, you crazy? Like, you know? So, so I think that I think it's a very important point that we need to take from Pesach. Yes? I want to make one point. Yeah, everything's relative, you know? to get up to change the channels. So all the Rebbeim and all the rabbis and all my Rebbeim called it the Avoyed Zara box. Throw out the Avoyed Zara box out the window! Now, I remember my, my Rebbeim used to talk like that. And I was like, what was I watching? Superman, the Little Rascals, and the Three Stooges. There wasn't even a woman in any of those. Right? There was a dog with a big black eye and the Little Rascals. Right? Superman, there was a lower flame, but she was very theistic. Right? So, so I looked at my red, like, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, some, you're just talking. Because there was nothing in those days. It really was absolutely zero. So I, they were wrong. In my eyes, growing up, I watched TV, and my rabbis feeling, throw the windows of a box out the window. To me, they were very wrong. Like you're saying, so Western, you know, good, bad, you know, what, hello, you know what? They were brilliant, and they were 100% right. Because they know how the Yitzhahara works. This is how the Yitzhahara works. Get the box into the house. Clean stuff, westerns, Superman, right? Once it's in the house, now slowly but surely, I will program it with things that you're not supposed to see. So what happened? We, my generation, everybody got a television. There was nothing. It was Jackie Gleason. There was nothing there. Well, we didn't see what's going to be on that television 20 years down the line. You did the records. The television. Absolutely. The Yitzhahara works. Did you make a little hole? Right? They understood that once you have, a, once you have that box in your house, that slowly but surely, Yitzhahara's going to change what's on that today. So you cannot watch television. It's all about gates. It's all gates that comes. And people that are not dressed, and housewives, and bachelors, and bachelors, disgusting, perversive stuff. Now, why does the generation, my generation, have TVs in their house? Because when it started, when it started, it was perfectly okay. Since we ate from the Itzhadas, Urban Ra, I remember when the internet started. I remember when computers started. There was nothing on a computer that was wrong. There was nothing on the internet that was wrong. The Yitzhahara said, let's get a computer in every Jew's, in every person's house. There's no, there's no bad movies. There's no pornography. There's no Facebook. There's no any of this stuff, right? I need to get the receptacles in the house. Now you have a computer. That's right, the news. You know, college work. Then comes Facebook. 
and comes Twitter, and comes pornography, and comes crazy pictures coming to your computer that you don't even want to come to your computer. And all of a sudden, he got the receptacle into the house. Now he's feeding it, he's feeding it, he's feeding it. So when the rabbis first started and said, the internet is no good, we all looked at them like they're crazy. The internet is fine. When the cell phone came out, there was I, my father had one of the first cell phones that was this big. It was in his car. It was this big. An antenna, right? It was very cool. No texting. There was no going on the internet, you know, sitting in your room, being able to go anywhere. There's none of that stuff was there. Yitzhara said, first we need to get every person to have one of these. It's a phone. Can't hurt anybody. Nobody can see everything. Now that the phone's there, we're going to, now you have a phone, now you have to have a phone, now you thought that a phone, she took your friends, now we're going to put apps in the phone. Now we're going to have an Apple phone. Now we're going to be able to see that a boy can walk to the bathroom and watch any perverted stuff that he wants to. Because they need a movie, they need a DVD player, she needs a little phone with internet on it, which you can get for 20 bucks. You don't have to buy a phone, you can buy an undisposable phone. And now that everybody has a receptacle, he's feeding it with the worst garbage and the worst soap. He's brilliant. And that goes with catalogs that come to your house. I don't have to tell you which ones, you know what I'm talking about. It's a catalog. So parents are like, it's a catalog. It's not a magazine. I have a picture in that catalog are worse than any other magazine you saw in your life. He just needs to get into your house. Once he's in your house, then he brings the schmutz. The schmutz never starts that way. And who knows what's coming down the line. And then we got Facebook and Twitter and I got Instagram watching. Watch how he plays his game. But if you don't, if you don't have the receptacle in the house, you, can, you can't, you can't, you can't send me, you know, internet messages because I don't have it on my phone. So anyone wants to send me a nasty picture, have a good day because I don't have the receptacle. Now, People are telling me, you cannot do what you're doing without an iPhone. You can't do it without an iPhone. This is ridiculous. Right? You want to help clients so you get an iPhone. And I'm like, you're probably right. I probably could do a lot more. And I'm like, no. Because even though I don't want to look at anything, but once my iPhone, I have an iPhone, it is a receiver for a lot of stuff I don't want. Therefore, I don't have a computer. Come to my office. Should be Hashem or maybe Summit. I don't own a computer in my house. I don't own a computer in my office. I don't own a computer on my on my phone. I don't own a computer. Why not? What are you scared of? What are you going to do? Look at all these guys. You all have computers. What are you scared of? The answer is, I know how he works. So I'm going to have a computer for the right reason. It's always not going to sit there and say, oh, right reason. So I'm not going to try it. Once I have it, right, then you can program it. If I don't have it, you can't program it. So the people in my office have computers? Absolutely. Is there a wallet have a computer? No. My desk has no computer. I don't own a computer. Not because I'm prehistoric, because I understand that if I bring the machine into my possession, then he has the ability to send a lot of stuff to that machine. So I don't want it. So you're right. It's better to watch a Western. But on that same thing that I'm watching the Western, down the road, I've been watching things I'm really not supposed to. He'll never start with that. He'll start with the Western. Absolutely, I agree with you. That's his mo. That's that's the way he works. The way the Yitzhak works. 
He's brilliant. We'll get to that. We'll get to going on. I mean, you guys don't even know what's going on. Ten-year-olds, eleven-year-olds, going on their parents' computer, going to the worst place that they see stuff, they freak out, changes the whole way they look at man and woman, it, it rewires them. It's, it's, it's abuse. It's actually abuse without anybody touching you. To watch some of the stuff these kids are watching when their parents are not home, it's abuse. It rewires you. A little kid, a 9, 10, 11 year old kid that sees it, or a 14 year old, 15 year old boy that sees it, he has to think about it all day. He doesn't understand it. He has to process it. He looks at a woman differently. She's an object. Oh, the, the girl looks at a boy differently. He's an object. You start losing your personality. You start losing them as a person. It's abuse without being touched. And he has it in every single house. <clears throat> He has it in every house. He's brilliant, the Yitzhak. Every house has it. He can abuse any kid in any house at any time. Just by them getting on. They don't need their parents' passwords. They have their own passwords. So we, as kids, when the rabbis were screaming, Abu Zarabah, he said, it's not. And we were right. It's not yet. But the box is in your house. And once it's in your house, you're, you're desensitized. I, I, you never heard me in all my speeches speak against television. All my speeches went out. Why not speak against television? Because the truth is, I had one my whole life as a kid. So I got used to it. And I didn't watch bad things. So when I left television, there weren't bad things on there. There weren't any sitcoms. So to me, it's not a bad thing. But it really is a very bad thing. Because the stuff they're showing right now is pro a lot of the things that we as Jews are against. A lot. So, yeah, I'm desensitized. As we know, this is the famous story of Yitzchak and, and Rizka. There was a little smoke from Esau, and Yitzchak became one. And Rizka didn't become blind. You think Yitzchak was a bigger target than Rizka? He wasn't. But Yitzchak's father, we learned in Beratius, Yitzchak's father didn't let a grain of sand, a grain of sand, the Arabs came to his house, didn't let a grain of sand into his house. Why not? Because... They, 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 they serve sand in the Manzara. Not the sand that's on their feet. That was in between their toes. They didn't think that was God. But they were Bedouins from the desert. And sand was one of their gods. Don't bring me eat something to my house. Right? Even though it's, it's just sand on your feet. That you serve. Because it'll desensitize my family. So wash your feet before you come in. So when he served the Manzara, Yitzchak, who was born in such a house, that it wasn't even a grain of sand, Right, like a baby, it can't even be one bacteria. Everything's sterilized. So the minute smoke from the wizard got to his eyes, it blinded him. Rivka, for three years, three years, was brought up by Yisrael and Lama in a house of the Vaisazara. So even though the whole smoke story happened 40 years later, 40 years, she wasn't with any other Vaisazara. And the whole event there, she happened from zero to three. She already was desensitized. The smoke didn't hurt her as much as it hurt itself. Because he grew up in a house that was perfectly sterile from Abba Yazara. So yes, a child that's brought up in a house that has no movies and no television and no internet, right? That kid is going to be on a different level than the kid who's watching the cowboy show and this and that and this and that and Elmo and all that other stuff because he's not, he's not going to be on that level. He's just not going to be on that level. And, and a lot of people like DVDs to watch Uncle Mike and it's very innocent, and they have these DVD machines. But when the parents are not home, the kids have a DVD machine, so they start putting other things into it. You have to understand that that's part of it. And that, that is the way he operates. 
Just let's get everyone a phone, let's get everyone a screen, and, and I'll do what I have to do. So when something becomes absolute, so how come I don't miss internet? Because to me, after all the never people that I'm watching suffer from it, to me, I know it's absolutely poison. It's not a maybe, it's for sure. So once it becomes an absolute to me, like that kid in the store, that it's trade, I don't want it anymore. I don't need it anymore. I don't want it anymore. It doesn't exist in my world anymore. I have nothing to do with it anymore. That, that's what happens those five days out of eight days. I don't think that anyone in this room, and I don't think anybody that was there for doctors, was like reaching for their phone. I don't think they were that sick. In other words, I didn't hear a whole young there were a thousand people there. Nobody knew what to be saying. You know, I they have to tell you something. I really miss my phone. I really, I really miss watching television. They were having a great time. Okay, they were eating a lot, but, you know, they were having a great time. It's the same thing. It's the same thing on Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, you know that you cannot eat. I feel very much on your kipper. Again, you're weak, I'm not gonna tell you from working very, very hard. But most people tell you your kipper they're not starving. If you're not control and it's very hot and you're very thirsty, most because of, I know that I can't eat on your kipper. So my whole system, like you're saying, my whole system changes. I know that this day I can't eat, but let me tell you, the minute the eel is over, do you see what goes on over there? Everything I mean, I have to show by the place, they're jumping on the cake. They're jumping on the drinks. Five minutes before, they're doing Kishlavan, everyone's cool. Kishlavan, everybody's cool. Uh, you, Aram, eat with me. Everybody's cool. Shabbat, you're dancing. No rush. The minute we eat, forget it. They're trampling. Wow. Your kipper is like a king. Your kipper, now I eat. It's true. I'm, I'm not hungry. The minute I could eat, I gotta eat. The minute I could smoke after Shabbos, I gotta smoke. So if you can take that, that, that absolute, like that little kid, and you can, I'm not saying stop smoking, we'd love to play stop smoking, but, but if you're doing two packs a day, it could change you, like, oh, you know, I don't do anything on Shabbos, so I could definitely cut down 10 cigarettes every day, I don't do anything on Shabbos, I can cut down 10 cigarettes, I, 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 I went without TV for three, for, I went for five days, I went without TV, so I don't have to sit all day long in front of television. I really don't need it. I realize that I can live without it. That's the godless. And just let me, that's the godless in, 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 in dieting. You, 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 if you diet, you lose weight. And, and during that diet, you're like, you cut certain things out. So even though you might come back, and this is what they tell you, even though you might come back and you know, break your diet, but if you could take one of the items when you are on a diet that you did without and just keep that one item when you come back to start eating, you'll gain weight but you won't get as much weight. And the next time, you'll take the second item. Because I just realized that, you know what? I just went for six months without potato chips. I was cool. So, yes, I still have to go. I still need my cake and I need this and I need that. But you know what? I'm going to need potato chips. And I realized I don't need it. So you take one item. I'm not telling you that you should you come out of place up. Okay, no, I didn't watch movies. No more movies. I don't want to talk. No more. I had a phone. My phone, everything's gone. You're going to break. It's not going to work. You know what? I don't need to watch movies. I went five days without movies. I really need it. I don't need to sit there every day and watch a movie. Take something from place up. Take something from separating from comics, like you said. Take something from it. One piece. Just, you know, one piece from your diet, from your place up diet. 
take one piece and just throw that out. Make it an absolute. Make it an absolute, but it becomes an absolute, you don't need it anymore. And I think that's what we need to take away from Pesach. And I think that's part of our growth towards Shuas. It's an interesting thing. That the, at, at the last day of the 49th day is Malchus Shavamachus. And I think it's a very important lesson to all of us that God understands that we're all human beings and that we can't make changes so fast and so drastically. Why don't we just do Pesach and do Malchus Shavamachus? And, and, and why don't we need 49 days? Why God do that? But you have 49 days in between. Why? Because Hashem also understands that as human being you have to take steps. So there's a Gevura, there's a Gevura Shavu Chesed, there's a Chesed, and there's a Malchus. And on the 49th day, after all that work, you have a Malchus Shavu Malchus. So every single day, you have to make a Midah your absolute. There are 49 combinations. Last night was Malchus Shabigvura. Taking your Gvura, your inner strength, and, 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 and making it royal. And then there's Yisoy Shabigvura. Taking your strength, and there's Chesed Shabigvura. That even if you're a strong person, there are times that the, the, the strength should be used to do Chesed. In other words, it's very hard for me to go, you know, some people tell me, very often you go work with somebody who's sick in a hospital. It's just not my, it's not my chesed. It's a thing called gvurashiv chesed. You have to overcome that. And you have to become strong. And even though it's hard for you, right? So all these 49, each day you make another one absolute. Another one absolute. I cut out the cake chips. I realized I could do that. That's it. That's it. The next day I cut out cake. I realized that I don't need cake after every meal. Okay. And all of a sudden, you got this whole big package. All of a sudden, you're standing in front of Harsinai. But it doesn't go from one day to the next. It takes work. Everything takes work. It's 49 days. I told the girls yesterday that it takes a moment to fall in love. That was the night of Pesach. Hashem, the Chippazah, right? He found us the Chippazah. It takes a moment to fall in love. It takes a lifetime to stay in love. And it takes a lifetime of work to stay in love. It's very nice you made each other fall in love, but now what? Okay, now what, right? That's what happened. Pesach night, because Rachel fell in love with us, and we fell in love with Hashem. We told Hashem, we're going to the desert, no food, no nothing. Right? We go to an Eretz, and there's no plants, there's no food. We love you, Hashem. You know, it doesn't make sense unless you love someone to say not for the Nishma. It's not logical. I try to explain this. You know, the Emuna, I'm sure I spoke about this during, uh, during Pesach. Emuna that's logical doesn't last. Emunah has to be a mixture of emotions and logic. You can't have all emotions and you can't have all logic. What happens when what's coming up in Shavuos was not logical at all? What's the most illogical statement a person can make? Not to the Nishma. Okay, I'm doing it! Why? I don't know! Tell me later why! That is so not logical. Explain it to me. Tell me why I'm doing this. Maybe I'll do it. For Hashem went to all the other nations and he said, I have a Torah. And they said, okay, let's find out about it. Logical. We're not in love with you, God. Tell us about it. That law, I can deal with that law. Nah, that law is not logical. We cannot, we're not, we can't deal with those stealing. Right? Next. Oh, it's great. Everything's great. Shops, we like that chilling poop. Yeah, we like all that stuff. 
oh, you, 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 immortal? No, we can't deal with that. Came to Christ, bro. We were totally not logical. Now to the Nishma. Give it to us. Now you can tell us later what it is. Who does that? Right? So it's, it's sort of, it's, it's, it's falling in love because someone who falls in love, right, on paper, most of the time it makes no sense. You go home to your parents and they're like, what do you mean she's not this? You said you wanted this. What do you mean she's not this? You said you wanted this. We were always looking, we were trying to find your list. You know the list, the resume list, the list. Right? And like, uh, I don't know why. She's the right one. What do you mean she's the right one? Your list, checklist, checklist. I don't know, she's just the right one. But how's it going to work? I don't know. We'll figure Always the answer though, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out is Nishma. We'll figure it out is, is emotional. It's not logical. Logical people don't do things. They figure it out, then they do it. They don't do it, and then figure it out. Clowns will set up with love. We'll do it. Then we'll figure it out. That's love. So we, we had this, we had the same love for Hashem. Because Rosh who came, Pesach night, and had a love for us. And, and, that, and that's what Pesach was all about. Now, we have 49 days to build to the Chuppah. That's, that's what we're in right now. It's an emotional, logically difficult Torah. You have to understand, you have to learn Torah, you have to learn the mitzvah, because at the end of the day, to get married to a girl, and then not know how to treat her, and, and, and not know the things of marriage, it's not going to work out. So you can't just walk around, Hallelujah! The Lord is one! A lot of people walking around like that. The Lord is one! Hallelujah! I love you, Lord! And, oh, I'm going to go up the bus now. You know? In the name of Allah. That doesn't work. That's very nice, but it doesn't work. It, it has to be both. There has to be, I love you, Lord. It has to be relationship. Because at the end of the day, no matter how much you're going to prove you that Hashem exists, you're gonna, if you don't want to believe it, you'll find a question. Go to find a question. You don't want to believe it. So in the end, it's a mixture. It's a relationship. It's a mixture. It's, I understand you, but I also love you because I need to do both. If I just understand you, and you do something I don't understand, like Tzadik or Rawai, I see a good person suffering, I'm out of it. If our religion was old logic, and I watch a good person suffer, that's not logical. Why are they suffering? And I see a bad person who's having the life of Raleigh. I see a girl who's davening and praying and, and fasting and doing whatever she has to with, and, and, and all the share, share, all the this, and she's doing unbelievable, and she's not married, and she's going out for 10 years, and this other girl, she's not serious, and she's hanging out with guys, and she's married with three kids. That's not logical. That doesn't make any sense. But if I have a coffin, and I have a muna, which is the emotion, it's like, this is God, I love you, you know what you're doing. I don't understand what you're doing, but you know what you're doing. You need to have both. You need to have logical, to understand the Gashbachal, to learn, but at the end of the day, if you don't have the emotional peace, it won't last. And that's what the Shulman Al talks about in Shirashim all the time. So, my brother to you, all of us tonight, including myself, is that just like a little boy in a candy store with his favorite candy, and his eyes are wide open, and he wants it so bad. And his mother says, I'd love to buy that for you, but it's not kosher. And the kid says, okay, we should have that same strength in our lives. Then when, we, when something that's not kosher, we should have the strength to say, it's okay, no problem, it doesn't bother me, I don't want it. And we should have it as close to see Mashiach, You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.